Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast. I'm Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Meitch. And today we are going to talk about climate change or climate or the weather or what are we talking about? Or the, or the, or the planet, the environment. The environment, climate. Climate, climate, the environment, the thing, you know, the air that we breathe, the temperature that we live at, the rain that comes down, <laughs> the sun that shines, <laughs> those kind of things. Um, Volcanoes, but... earthquakes, landslides. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of stuff we can talk about, um, and of course, leaving this planet and living on the moon instead. Before we do talk about climate change. Uh, I would like to raise the uh, topic of the level of swearing in last week's episode. Oh, it was uh, quite sweary. In my house, it was commented on. Yeah, it was commented <laughs> on in my house as well. Uh, in my van, it was commented on. I see. Um, we were listening to it on the uh, on the autobahn <laughs> with with a small child in the van, and Nick did a few times ago. Ivanka. <laughs> <laughs> And even I was starting to brace myself for the swearing. <laughs> so we can be better, you know. We don't have to swear as much. I, th- I certainly think we don't need to swear as much. But do we need to not swear? I I don't know about that. I think uh, some swear words, well placed, are an extremely expressive form of um, of communication. Uh, so I wouldn't want to rule them out. But maybe this uh, swear jar idea that you were pitching. In the week, yes. The uh, so that was one of the one of my ideas. I thought we could at least have a swear jar. At least get at least have to think about uh, how many swears it's worth. Well, I think we just um, I think we just kind of try and uh, make it not gratuitous. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. And then and then if we do the swear jar thing, which I think yeah. is worth worth having a go. For, for did you? Did you have a count of uh, how many swears in the oh, last one? No. <laughs> no. Okay, well. I thought this should be a uh, not a retrospective swear jar. Oh uh, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should audit all the past. If anyone um, want, if anyone is listening to the past podcast episodes and wants to count up a tally of how many swears I did and how many Ivanka did, then we will pay. I, we were saying fifty p or maybe I think a pound per swear is more. <laughs> Although last More week committed. is going to be expensive for you, <laughs> for me but I mean, it's, we won't we won't count the bit. If someone wants to tweet us and sort of say at uh, podcast grand or just at Michael Forrest or at Ivanka, uh, just tweet us the swear counts, then we'll uh, and a charity perhaps. Yes. Um, then we we will um, we'll donate some swear money to someone. Just some swear money. I like it. Uh, hashtag swear money. How was your week, Ivanka? It's been two weeks since I've spoken to you. 
It has been two weeks since you spoke to me. You have spoken to me. I have had a, a, a two weeks in two very distinct parts. One was end of holidays, then driving across Europe uh, on a two and a half day trek from Croatia to England, uh, which I really enjoy. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I think, A, it was my childhood. Or I spent a lot of my childhood driving around or being driven around and... So I find it, I don't know, somehow, I find it relaxing. And uh, I enjoy telling my child repeatedly that, we're yes, we're still on the E40. <laughs> Mummy, what's this road called? E40. <laughs> it's still the E40. Uh, and uh, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who also spent a lot of her childhood uh, being driven around Europe. And we discovered that we're both experts in European number plates. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's a, a a skill that does not come in useful very often uh, what, if at all what knowing what country the, they're from exactly or? there are, there are e, i mean the eu the introduction of the e, eu sort of uh, homogenous mass of of number plates has sl- made it trickier but there are distinctive style differences and uh, structural differences with number plates across europe so I can drive along going, oh, Hungary, haven't seen a Hungarian number plate for a while. <laughs> or uh, And she, she did have more information than me, more knowledge, more depth of knowledge. She knew that the, at the time when she used to be driven around Europe, which is probably about the same time as me, um, that French number plates used to distinguish kind of which postcode they were from. <laughs> okay. So there you go. So we, had a, we nerded out a bit about registration. Well, all you can do as a kid in a car is look at number plates. I always remember fantasising about um, like when P when P Reg comes in, and you might be able to have one five five, and then O F F, and that'll be amazing. I hope I can get that number plate one day. And just you know that sort of thing. Does that count as swearing? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, if I make you swear in your imagination, I didn't swear. You swore. <laughs> um, so we so there was that. There was the driving across Europe thing. And then there was this week I was I, I arrived back the timing of our arrival back in the UK was so that I could attend a meeting on Monday. So I basically walked out of a a van into my mother's house, woke up in the morning, went to a meeting for three and a half hours or something and so I didn't even have time to sort of sit down, sharpen my pencils, work out what I was supposed to be doing for the week uh, before I was I, I parachuted myself in. So uh, what I've learned is that I need to come home a day before I start work. Did you do a terrible job? Is that what you're saying? No, no. Actually, <laughs> I did an excellent job in the meeting. The problem was that then I had no, I was had no clue what I was supposed to be doing afterwards or where I was supposed to. So that's not. Uh, that I'm doing myself a disservice. What I had was no. Normally, I like to have an v- idea of what I've got to get done in a week, and and who I need to speak to, and what meetings I need to set up, and just do your, you know, your prep for the week. Um, and I, I didn't get a chance to do that, so I feel like I've been catching up with myself all week. Uh, so that's what's happened to me this week. But mm. um, but yeah, here I am. I'm, I've made the podcast more or less on time. So close enough. That's good. You know. I'm going to end the week on a high, feeling more in control and organised. What about you, Michael? <laughs> Are you recovered from your illnesses? 
I am I am recovered and I you know I sort of went into this new job and it's been quite um it's been quite nice um sort of finishing at 5:30 and I've got time um to sort of go to the studio after work it like if Sharon's sort of uh got something in the evening then I can I can sort of spend 3 hours and and still you know feel good so I sort of did a bit bit of stuff in the studio um so that's nice which I couldn't have done if I was doing these like 40 minutes each way bike rides and sort of finishing late every day and you know oh so you're working from home no i'm just working somewhere that's really near oh that's nice like five minutes on my bike so i come home at lunchtime have uh make myself something so i'm saving some money i'm eating healthier um yeah so it's all right it's although i did i have been conscious that i did take a bit of a pay cut on this and uh, after our conversation, I was, you know, about how hard it is to recover from a pay cut. I was like, should I have done this? Why did I do this? Is the quality of life improvement worth the less money? Or am I kind of causing myself problems for the next one? Or what's happening? But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm greedy. Um, but, you know, sometimes you're like, well, but yeah, if I can sort of have a decent lunch and if I can kind of uh, go home at a reasonable time, then yeah, it's all good. Well, I had this conversation with somebody in the week. I don't think you should necessarily. I don't think taking a pay cut is always a bad thing. A job is not the rewards of a job are not just in your paycheck. Uh, but uh, I spoke to somebody about this in the week, and and there's this whole living in Brighton. There's this whole thing about um, how much less money are you willing to earn and not have to commute to London. Um, and you know there is a there is a people people always offer it up as a benefit, but then the amount of money they expect you to to reduce your salary by is quite dramatic. But hmm. actually, not having to commute is a is a well, I was going to say it's a massive improvement to life, but I still miss my reading time. So, <laughs> well, I'm missing my podcast time well, now. Yeah. Like I was listening to podcasts on the way in each day, and now I'm not. Yeah, I sort of don't really have any time to listen to well, anything no, anymore. Exactly. It's like when do I listen to podcasts? And when? So I listen to podcasts now more when I'm walking the dog, <laughs> walking around town, or uh, but reading. Pff, don't know when I'm supposed to do that. Uh, so you know everything. Every cloud has silver linings. Um, so yes, so that's that's where we are then with our with mm. our weeks. I'm reading a very good book actually. Are you called Beware of Pity by Stefan? I'm going to pronounce this the German way. It's Zweig. Zweig. Uh, Stefan. It's very good. It's um, apparently uh, Wes Anderson is a big fan of this writer, and I I took I uh, there was a few different books in the kitchen. And I thought, right, I'm just going to read the first few paragraphs of each one until something grabs me and this one straight away. Like I've read some mediocre rubbish. And then I picked up this and I was like, yes, that's how you write a book. So subject at hand. Subject at hand. Where do we start? I don't know. It's a tricky one. I was thinking about this. Um, and one of the thoughts I had was um, about the fact that apparently when it comes to persuading somebody that climate change is real, uh, you're wasting your time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and you're better off persuading them to change habits that benefit the climate and that's an easier 
task. So, for example, the whole uh, you can save loads of money on your electricity bill if you uh, hang your washing up outside in the sunshine or you use LED light bulbs rather than climate change is real, uh, the world's uh, the you know the world's climate is changing. The Arctic is never going to ice over again, uh, or these uh, various fact-based but terrifying uh, hmm. bits so, of data. I mean, what, and so, what is that list? What is that list of things? The oceans are rising. We're going to lose a lot of land mass. We're um, there's going to be more unusual activity. We're, more unusual like, weather patterns. Yeah, which has an effect on. Uh, physically where you're living um, it has an effect on crops so mm. there are scenarios where um, and where for example if you can't grow food there'll be more migration of people because what was arable land becomes no longer arable because there is no water or there is too much water or it's too hot or too cold or the seasons become so unpredictable so I mean we already uh um we already have this happening in certain places and this mm -hmm. is where my i perhaps this is where i, I uh, for the first time on a podcast really regret not having a list of facts in front of me mm. but i thought thought that um if you um but i don't know how much i personally care to carry around the facts in my head i mean also, yeah. I've seen a good point made about how actually getting the facts is really difficult and there it's there's a lot of it's actually quite quite there's a lot of sort of opaque um academic journals and academic reports and things like to actually kind of collect the real facts together is like it's actually quite hard to find a good scientifically backed list of the problems because it's sort of like spread in a lot of places and it's all kind of in the realm of academia and they're not into explaining things clearly. They're into kind of no, wordy, kind of, you know, opaque explanations well, one of, of things. Well, one of the exercises I did when I, uh, after that um, uh, climate change tweet back to... to um, President Donald Trump, um, we uh, was I thought okay, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make my Twitter feed all about climate change and links to climate change articles and I'm gonna do some research and I'm gonna get them all lined up in one of those like buffer or something and uh, and uh, I emailed a few people I know I've got a friend who does uh, uh, used to be a producer at the BBC used to work on Horizon she's a scientist I emailed. Uh, a woman called Gabriella. I'm very sorry, Gabriella. I can't remember your surname. Walker. Um, but I'd heard her on uh, Infinite Monkey Cage talking about climate change, so I emailed her, and she sent me a link. Uh, she sent me links to um, a, a, a stream of Guardian articles where business people were talking about not about climate change, but particularly but talking about actually the business opportunities in climate change and mm. uh and and combating climate change because often it's like perceived as a oh you know they're getting rid of the coal industry they're getting rid of jobs and and that's why you know the sort of the anti-climate change or the climate change non-believers are are, are so, somehow lump it in with they're sort of attacking defensive. my job 
and they're being yeah. defensive. And actually, as a business, you know, there are there were some quite cool, uh, quite powerful business people talking about the business advantage of thinking about these new products, of uh, making new things, of new opportunity to sell people stuff. I mean, that's what you know business is is driven by. But that at the same time will change the impact that we're having on the climate. So, but then and but then I also got a link from to one of these scientific journals and I mean I did read in detail the paper about how to persuade people to change their behavior that's where I got that information from okay. but I would have had to almost turn it into a, a kind of a, a job to tr- be translating these science papers into some sort of buzz buzzfeedy digestible facts on um, this was this is what will happen I, and I don't know how much of it we we could point at and say is de- we can point at what is happening and we can predict what effect that might have. Um, but this is where I we had talked about trying to get an actual expert on. Yeah, and we will do that in future. Yeah. Um, so, but and I, and I think we've got enough of our sort of immediate understanding that we can sort of have this first our first coverage of climate change. I think we've got enough. But yeah, it would definitely be good to get someone who actually does this for a living. Yes. Um, yeah, in the absence of BuzzFeed listicles and, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> It's weird, this climate, this recent backlash to the climate change topic, um, because, like, it's been a part of, like, my whole... Like, I um, I watched episode one of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air the other week, which wow. was on Netflix, and one of the stories there is, like, this is 1990, and um, the daughter is, like, doing some big climate change sort of fundraiser thing. And I'm like, yeah, they've been, we've been talking about this for 20, 20 more years. Than, yeah, yeah. More I, than 20. Is that yeah, 30 yeah. years? Yeah, 30 years. Um, it's just been part of part of it was CFCs and all that, like in the eighties. And I thought about this. Well, exactly. I was thinking about my physics physics class when I was maybe fourteen, fifteen, talking about global warming and greenhouse gases. You know, mm. I can remember doing that when I was, I don't know, thirteen, twelve, eleven, whatever. Yeah. So it's been a part of our education. Yeah. So it's sort of weird that instead of sort of kind of pushing innovation and pushing like solutions and like coming up, with, you know focusing on yeah like more things we can do that people are instead deciding that they want to start denying it because it's like oh you can't see because it's um this is um like even with smart people i think they're uh like when it comes to chaos chaos theory um which is you know we've got systems like the weather is a chaotic system um it's it's sort of an implicitly very unpredictable thing and you know you sort of sensitive to initial conditions all this kind of stuff butterfly effect all this kind of thing but so i think people in general don't really understand weather to the point that like a a, a group of mutual friends very clever people sort of came to me saying they wanted to do this sort of um weather app and they were going to make it more accurate by aggregating the average weather predictions from different sources and i sort of had to say that's that's not how it works. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not how that's not how chaotic systems work. You can't just take the average because it's it's things get amplified and things get like 
made you know things can go one way or the other and it's not as straightforward it's not it doesn't get more predictable the more you know i mean there's a certain amount of being able to get more data giving you more accurate predictions but um yeah taking an average of different things is never going to do that so just even like at a high level there's sort of a lack of understanding of what the weather is like so and then yeah that's why you get trump going oh but it's warm somewhere no but it's cold here so therefore there's no global warming disproven it got colder yeah. one day yeah that's not how weather works that's not how the climate no. works you have to look at long-term patterns and trends and you have to do actual science and science is knowing how to look at nature to form yet yeah, more accurate so either if you want to see something small you need a microscope that's the tool you use to inspect it if you want to understand climate change you need to sort of look at on geological time scales and sort of much much longer time scales and you have to sort of look at a graph because if you just kind of look outside you're just not that's not a good way of collecting data on this subject oh um so one of the things that happened when um so i i mentioned that in physics we learned about global warming and the phrase was global warming in the early 2000s is i don't know how you call them my i remember reading a thing seth godin wrote yeah uh, which was about the fact that if you if it had never been called global warming which just sounds lovely doesn't it oh yeah. isn't it nice everything's going to be warmer and no one's going to be cold and then and rather he suggested it should have been called something like climate cancer or <laughs> earth death or some kind yeah. of climate cancer was definitely one of them it's like if it had been called that from the very start people might have taken it more seriously and uh, changed their behaviors more quickly because it's taken a while for it to go from global warming climate change is now the new global warming phrase yeah uh, global warming but that's has to be one of the reasons it just sounds so sort of soft and cuddly um, yeah. and it is far from that and then uh, one of the other things I was thinking about with the uh, is that well, I forgot. I so this then there's this thing about um, understanding the science of climate and weather and climate change. Mm. I in a in the same way that I don't necessarily feel that I need to understand how a medicine works in order to take a recommendation from a pharmacist mm. i don't necessarily think that i need to understand climate change i don't need to be a climate change scientist or have their understanding in order to accept that it is happening and i need to change my behavior and I, I think that's one thing, like, I mean, we're both the kind of people that seek to understand stuff, for sure. Yeah. But I also accept, oh, I have to, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a polymath. <laughs> I can't, ex you know, I can't, uh, I am willing to ex accept recommendations from experts, people who study this shit. If they tell me, does that count as a swear word? People who study this stuff, <laughs> if does, they... But, yeah. <laughs> If they, we can uh, edit that one out though. If, you, uh... if they um, if they tell me that the climate is changing and it has been and that's going to have a significant impact on the planet, the future of the planet, the future livability of the planet, then you know I'm 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 up for taking their recommendations and seeing what I can do to change my impact. Yeah, I think I think it would behoove them to try and make themselves a bit clearer 
because they are like I mean this is a particular you are basically being asked as a member of the public to take a lot on faith that goes against your sort of like intuitive like perception of what's happening around you so I, I really do think like there is there is a gap of sort of explanation there that, that could be improved but yeah like we you can't understand everything and you have to go okay well look I mean <clears throat> the guy saying that there isn't climate change clearly has a lot of vested interests and commercial reasons to be saying that and just seems like a shady person whereas these all like normal scientists that are looking at date you know they 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 clearly you know it's the other way that they're, they're just trying to understand the world and when they talk to you it's complicated and that's because it is yeah 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 it is complicated yeah the um and i think one of the, one of the 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 uh arguments against this whole accepting what scientists say um and not seeking to engage at all is that then there's this other part of the argument which i think actually somebody quoted me tony blair saying something i i wonder if we need a little that should always be said after Tony Blair's name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he, uh, there's this kind of idea like um, that, oh, don't worry about these things. Science will provide us with the answer and the solution. We can engineer in science our way out of this. Well, that's... I'm gonna I'm gonna get onto that subject because that's that's been a philosophy of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Craig Venter. Um, I am... Um, my feeling was uh, technology has put us in this situation. So let's use technology to get us out of it. Um, and I always, you know, and when I, in the in the sort of 90s, I was reading about nanotechnology and like solving, you know, healing the ozone layer by kind of bioengineering tiny little robots that can go and repair things and like actually just... T putting some hardcore science to solve the problems and then so I got interested in Craig Venter's work and he's doing yeah sort of like reprogramming organisms and he's done a TED talk on like um you know using technology and cleverness to sort of reverse the things but yeah you do get into that because I don't think you can you know you can like once the box is open I don't think you can put the lid back on really and even as we put the brakes on, like as other people are kind of getting access to these new in different countries, um, they're sort of like going to have these periods of stuff. So I think, yes, we do need to kind of moderate our kind of rampant, you know, like just don't be horrible. But I, th I, I always thought like the solution would have to be like some sort of clever innovation rather than just like not doing certain things. But and so, and that's definitely, definitely part of it. All the advancements in battery technology, all the advance. There's loads of things and lo loads of articles and science and engineering that you can point out that say, yep, there have been some dramatic changes in the technology around storing energy that that will have a significant impact on the amount of. E energy uh, uh, greenhouse gases we need to produce to produce it because one of the problems with things like solar is that you know you can only use your solar on a sunny day and then you know then, mm. it, then it's lost and you well, might overproduce on that day go on energy energy is abundantly available but transferring it is very difficult if we could just like put solar panels in space 
we'd have all the energy we could ever possibly need but you can't get the energy from space to here without like some sort of microwave beam or like impossibly long cable or like shipping batteries up and down like the, the it's it's this yeah it's weird like so batteries yeah it's a huge deal like as a technology isn't it but yeah. then they they have a lot of mass like weight so you can sort of move them around and yeah like but i love this like this democratization of like the power grid the idea that you could put energy back in as well as take yeah, it yeah. out i think that's a great like and the more we can get into these sort of like distribution systems um the better well i watched uh, the the founder of good energy speak at meaning conference last year and she talked mm. that the, they she very much talks about the uh, about individuals being producers of energy sort of having um uh, and selling back to the grid i mean that's kind of what mm. all their all their work's based around but just because you watch an article about how some doctors have reattached a hand doesn't mm. mean that you go and get a chainsaw and chop your hand off. You know, these are... It's a stranger. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not strange because, you're, you know, talking about this idea that science can un... Right, un because you know it stuff. can be... Yeah, doesn't mean that you should fuck you it in the first place. No. I, 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 and that's why I did, like, heavily caveat that I think we should, like, stem, like, what we're doing. It's but like, at the same time, if the, once the genie's out of the bottle, you know, like yeah. people want to take flights to other countries and there's no, that's not going to change. Yeah. Like. Flight is a really interesting one. I mean, I really enjoy travelling and I did one of those, you know, I do them quite regularly. One of those, uh, I don't know, friends of the earth or somebody measure your your uh, carbon footprint thing. And taking even a short haul flight has a dramatic impact on your carbon yeah. footprint for the year. And you're like, well, I don't want to not fly, but uh, so I'm going to. Um, uh, I try and be a bit more selective about, about how often and when. I try not to be wasteful. And I think wasteful is a word that for me mm. is really important. It's like, you know, we, we if you don't throw away all your light bulbs that are functioning because somebody's invented an LED light bulb, but as they start going, replace them with more energy efficient things. You know, it's that kind of... Uh, uh, approach or given mm. the choice of this buying i don't know strawberries from surrey and strawberries that got flown in from south africa why not have yeah. the ones that grew in the uk that kind of stuff just and i should pay more attention but usually there's only one kind of strawberries in my shop so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's not clear what all the things we can do i wish there was a way that we could see any positive effect we were having i wish it was possible to actually measure that minuscule kind of impact that we were making as individuals because it just seems so kind of like dropping the ocean small. <laughs> like it just seems like well i mean so if i do it there's only you know everyone in the rest of the world has to do this and then we still it's still like okay i'm not using i mean i, I stopped using carrier bags more when just sometimes the tesco's i was near didn't have them sometimes so then I was like I just got into that habit of bringing the carrier bag all the time uh, bringing like a tote bag with me every time um and I I because I, I, I and part of me was like this this kind of absolute fetishization and demonization of using a carrier bag just seems sort of like okay yeah it's bad but like I mean there's so much so I've many it, I, I remember being in Patagonia uh with uh and going to the shop and i didn't realize this town didn't give out 
bags and uh, so I got a couple of boxes and my arms, by the time I'd carried everything back to the campsite, because I, like, I, I did, I could, that's all I could find in the shop to not be juggling the shopping back. Um, uh, and that was annoying because I did actually have tote bags on the motorbike and in the, uh, in the, but I just hadn't, I don't know why I hadn't taken them. It's one mm. of those, it's the most uncomfortable carrying my shopping back from the shop experience <laughs> I've ever had. Well, tote bags are yeah. good because you can put it on your shoulder and, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, I, I always like any time I leave the house now, I've got, I've got my bag with me. So um, just because, you know, it's just, it's just easier. It's just better. It is. It is. Oh, it is easier. Sometimes. I'm slightly guilty of having a bag of bags. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you have that drawer. Harry Hill's got this bit where it's like, it's all very well saving your carrier bags, but at a certain point you can't get the drawer shut closed anymore. <laughs> no. uh, um, oh, yeah. I think one of the reasons I get a card out to do my shopping is so that, like, once a month I can have a clear out of any plastic bags we've okay. collected. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, it's apparently I think dull. we're actually very good in our house. We, can, we haven't got a drawer of carrier bags. No, we don't anymore. Yeah, sometimes I can't even find one when I need one. No, and you do sometimes need them. One, <laughs> one does. Um, Especially with a dog, you probably need. Uh, yeah, but we sorry. buy that. Well, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> it's sort of like researching biodegradable options of poo bags for your dog. Uh, well, you have to be careful because some of those cornstarch ones—they're not. You have some very unpleasant experiences. <laughs> So how do you feel your environmental impact has been uh, affected by pet ownership oh. and child rearing, child having? <laughs> uh, the child having is... Uh, so I did the reusable nappies thing. Mm. I did it very religiously, very easily when I was at home all the time with her when she was a tiny baby. As she got bigger and started moving around more, I she just started being smelly (laughs) so so then i bought those there are natty nappies or whatever they're called the biodegradable but you have to make a conscious choice to buy those because they're Mm. really expensive and very Mm. rarely on special offer so you have to Mm. kind of look out for special offers uh and then i have resorted to um i have got a mix and match of You've got to find because if you're if you're basically buying a nappy that is and that's not true of that particular brand, but if you're buying a nappy that then simply doesn't do the job, you end up having to wash a load of clothes and bed clothes anyway. So I'm not sure. You know what I mean? It's all it's all a bit checks and balancey. Sometimes it's really really hard, I think, to work out what the environmentally friendly option truly is. Yeah, it's like how do you? So what's the, if you've got a what? How much is it? What's the environmental impact of laundering a dirty nappy versus buying well, a fresh one? I, I don't know. Well, you see, well, it's not. I mean, it does work out. I think. Uh, well, it it works out if you're going to do that uh, rewashable nappies thing, uh, and that's your your hundred percent position then the environment. <laughs> but then, if you're going to use, I didn't. Use, I don't have a tumble dryer. I don't have a dryer. Um, but actually, I don't find it that big a problem. Could be because she's a spring baby. I don't know. Uh, I what don't. It, what's the implications of a spring? You can baby? dry your washing outside. Okay. You know, like she's not, winter's the biggest problem for drying washing, isn't it? 
but we're right. kind of a clothes horse in the corner hope the dry washing dries <laughs> before it starts smelling musty kind of a family <laughs> yeah me too, me too. <laughs> it's like uh, put it near the radiator and hope fingers crossed but uh <laughs> but then you know it's every so often you switch the heating on because the washing's not dry and like oh but i wouldn't have had the heating on if it wasn't for the wet washing ah so i've been researching those uh, uh clothes horses that that you plug in and they they heat up it's just a i i had this on on the subject of consuming i went to a number of years ago a brighton uni organized this networking event and i i think it was when i'd just come back from traveling or something i thought oh i better do a bit of networking find some work la la so i went along to this event and they got us all at tables and they had some people from a department in the university talking about ethical shopping and then they had us do some sort of exercise where you ordered your your uh, decision making based on a number of factors and one thing I learned that evening was that um, you know making ethical the definition of ethical shopping is quite tricky because if you are very very poor it is ethically the best the most responsible thing you have to do is choose the thing that you things you can afford because to uh, undermine your your family's financial stability to buy some sort of more expensive uh, option with a lower you have a, you have a sort of ethical duty to your family to not overspend or mm. to live, but then but the other thing that was very clear to me that I seem to be the only person in certainly at my table and one of very few in the room that sat there going no if I go into a coffee shop I think carefully about whether where the coffee's from whether it's fair trade what it and I'm like I'm quite I do pay attention to these things it doesn't mean I always choose not to buy it or whether you know and of course I've consumed plenty of disposable coffee cups um Mm. but I do try not to you know, that's such a, that sounds so lame, doesn't it? I try <laughs> well, I, really I, hard, <laughs> but, you know, uh, I had to buy a plastic bottle of water the other day because um, being 100% committed to these things is is very tricky. Not practical, it's all, not the practical all the time. I don't think, in any, I don't think I'm very good at this. I mean, I, I, I do what I can, but I, the problem is I feel like it's all sort of anecdotal things. Okay, carrier bags are bad. Or um, like running the dishwasher is actually better than doing the washing up in the sink. Like I've heard that one. And so I was like, well, okay, but I've never seen any data on it. I've just heard this anecdote. So I've changed my behavior because of an anecdote. But like, I don't like we need better measurement of these things. I need to be able to sort of see a bit more, see the data a bit more to be able to actually make rational decisions about these things, because I'm just so disconnected from what's actually what the effects actually are. Um and I think like smart meters are sort of step 0.0 in that journey. Like at least now, like we've got the thing in the kitchen now, so I can sort of see like, okay, we're spending uh, 5p a minute. Not a minute, an hour. Because um, the, a couple of lights are on upstairs or whatever. Let's go and turn them. Let's try and get the number down. I don't like that our smart meter only goes down to 1p a minute. An hour. And it's generally around like two or three p when all the lights are on. I, I sort of want to see an extra decimal place on there but um i <laughs> i really um i think like if i could just 
if it was if it was if it was more intuitive to sort of see that yeah see the supply chain for each product like i don't even look at the country of origin i could do that couldn't i i could just look at that i don't know if they like obscure that the way they try and obscure calorie counts on things but um yeah like it's just i wish there was a more consistent way of being able to judge your effect because so much yeah. of it is anecdotal to me and so I just yeah. hear of each new thing. Okay, I shouldn't be buying coffees all the time. I uh, I did have a conversation with with somebody I know who uh, used to work for a company that supplied. Uh, they supplied to the catering industry, including things like cups and coffee mm. stirrers. And, and he was talking to me about the fact that loads of supplies, especially in Brighton, Brighton's quite a conscious city. Yeah. Um, and so they, they, a lot of the, the, the coffee shops are phoning him up going, have you got a compostable version? Our customers keep asking for them. Mm. And he was like, well, it, of course they have, they sold them to them. Um, but he said, A, some of those things that are compostable are only compostable in an industrial composting machine, not at the bottom of your garden in your compost heap. Mm. And B, he said, why can't you? What is it about your life that means that you can't sit in a coffee shop for 10 minutes and drink a coffee out of a porcelain cup and have mm. a more pleasant experience? Why do you need to walk around town carrying your coffee? And frankly, I lay the full blame for all coffee consumption to product placement as done by, I don't know, Starbucks in Sex and the City or whatever it was. And when everybody was walking around with coffee cups and suddenly that became like the access the must-have accessory so in the same way that bloody De Beers invented the engagement ring the diamond engagement ring this is another thing that's been foisted upon us by marketing But I had I had one of these reusable um, sort of like porcelain, but looks like one of these coffee cups. Yeah, yeah. Looks like a sort of coffee well, shop. But the problem with that was it was just it it was too there wasn't enough you could put enough coffee in it. <laughs> <laughs> it was really big and sort of heavy, but then there was hardly any coffee yeah. in it, and then you had to deal with it. Like <laughs> <laughs> I but I uh, I have got one that's got a lockable lid that I use for water because. If I occasionally I, I sort of go, oh, do you know, I'll have a coffee in there. And then my water just tastes horrible for ages. So I've stopped doing that. Mm. And then I bought one uh, in a local coffee shop. But the lid is dreadful. So I don't actually have right. the confidence to drink out of the lid. Uh. So I should have done some sort of like research before I bought this. Mm. But now I've got one that I actually quite like. A, it's you, I wouldn't put it in my bag full, whereas my lockable... Um, water one i am happy to sling anywhere and it's totally safe but this coffee one uh, is actually pleasant to drink out of which i think well is, that's the main thing that's that is, important. Uh, it's quite nice drinking out of a paper cup sometimes but yeah i don't know i got um, very annoyed yesterday i sat down i deliberately arranged to meet somebody well she suggested a coffee i thought yeah let's meet in the coffee shop and i thought we're gonna sit down i am actually i'm gonna treat myself i'm gonna so I ordered a drink and then he gave it to me in a disposable <laughs> cup and he was like i can transfer it now because i kind of did a passive aggressive english like oh <laughs> to the person i was with without saying anything and he said do you want me to put it in a proper cup i was like well no because the whole point of doing this was to not create the waste and now i'm sitting here having wasted a bloody paper cup so oh, good so good it's um it's when we were when i was younger like 
there, there was a lot more sort of stigma to sort of looking a bit crusty and like carrying a thermos around and like like being environmentally conscious. I actually used to have kind of, you know, if you were kind of doing stuff like that, there was a stigma and that sort of like rampant commercialism, rampant commercialism of like, oh, I've got my disposable coffee cup and I've got my carrier bags from the shops. And like, it's like it's sort of a status symbol, wasn't it? And like, if you were just like reusing a carrier bag, you're a bit crusty. Like, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. now it feels a lot more like, you know, it's definitely sort of a bit more the other way around. Yeah. I imagine certainly in Brighton, if you were sort yeah. of like... Uh, Look down your nose at people carrying yeah. disposable carrier bags and disposable coffee cups. <laughs> there was also a new thing I must remember what their what their name is so I think it's one of those things we'll include as a link somewhere but there's a there's a sticker now some places around Brighton have which says we will fill your water up for you your water bottle mm. so it's like a water right. bottle refill place so you don't have to buy anything in order to go yeah. excuse me I mean I I think legally organizations are obliged to fill up your water container if you ask for water mm. because I used to test everybody around Victoria Station <laughs> Excuse me, can I have some water? Uh, we haven't got a tap. What do you mean you haven't got a tap? I mean, like, <laughs> come on, I'll not buy anything from here anymore. Um, but uh, yes, rampant well, consumerism. And, Interesting. And another reason, another reason not to buy bottled water is because it's uh, it's stored for longer and it's more likely to be growing algae in there. So yeah. you're better off with tap water. Um, so um, don't don't buy bottled water. Like that's just ridiculous. Like we have a sort of water filter at home. We have like a Brita filter, yeah. which you know, if you really kind of don't want to drink tap water, I, I kind of like. But I've always been happy to drink tap water, and it's good. Like yeah, you know, me I, too. It's like um, we have very good. You know, <laughs> it's as good, if not better, than this bloody bottle of water you're getting sold by the Coca-Cola company. <laughs> yeah, and lots of it is by the Coca-Cola yeah. company. <laughs> In one of these, what you're, what I think you were alluding to earlier, in that all these different parts of the world at different level of progress, mm. they are going to go through the waste, the phases that we have gone through. We've kind of gone yeah. past the rampant consumer. Well, I hope you know we're maybe a little <laughs> bit on a on a drift towards consciously. Yeah, but, yeah, but like, you know whatever. Come on, people. So so there's that, and you have all these people that that go traveling and sort of go, oh well, you know, it's all been spoilt now because everyone's got a microwave. It's like these people have a right to a washing machine and, a, and a, all these things that save us <laughs> infinite amounts of time. You can't stop progress for them just because, like, oh my god, it's spoiled now. But anyway, mm, that's a different not, conversation. Not quaint anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, my anyway. holiday was ruined. <laughs> but um, so I was in Yugoslavia in a time, and a part of Yugoslavia that was sort of rural. But everybody chucked stuff in this. So, so the valley had a river going through it and it had a, an irrigation system that had been built, built by the Austro-Hungarians. Um, so, so prior to them building this, it had been quite a floodplain by the looks of history. But So mm. we had this um, substantial stream, uh, an engineered stream going in front of our house. So you have to go over a little bridge from the road to our house. And everybody chucked stuff in this water because it's not going to be outside their house. It's going to go down the, mm. the downstream. And it's, that's just a, a mentality that existed at the time. And, mm. you know, being I was, you know, in some sort of in, in the organization school and being as it was at the time, sort of a communist, there was all these like youth actions and all this. And we have to we did part cleanups and all this kind of stuff. And I remember actually starting to cry when I was talking to these I was like 
people we you know we need to stop you can't just keep throwing things in the river it's all right you're you just because it's you you're the the sort of unspoiled nature is in such an abundance here you're hmm. you're not respecting it enough so I'm taking I will, it for granted you're taking it totally for granted you're not living like living in inner city Birmingham you really did have to travel to green spaces I mean, we're lucky in a lot of British mm. cities, parks are protected and we do have these big, it's not like Central Park in New York where there's no, nothing green in the whole of New York until you get to Central Park. And it's amazing. <clears throat> you know, British cities have this kind of, you know, regular occurrence of parks. Yeah. So we are quite lucky. But anyway, I, Just, di- um, I digressed yeah. a bit. You kind of reminded me of yeah the the kind of the myth of the noble savage at one with nature and using the land respectfully and that wasn't that's never been a thing. It's just been a matter of capability. And if you give those people the technology that we're using, they're going to do exactly the same thing. Like uh, it's a complete myth. This kind of like uh, kind of like oh religious. Oh, we respect the earth thing. It's that never happened. It was just literally there was. There's always been humans have always been prone to you know you sort of exploit and it's not even it's just trying survival, trying to like live. You just kind of look for the resources, you use them up, you move on, you use them up. That's how humanity has operated everywhere. There's no magical land where that didn't happen. But now we are, you know, we are the first animal to actually start to realize that we need to moderate our impact on our environment or we're not going to have one anymore. And so, yeah, this I this is a this is a modern progression. There's no kind of going back to some simpler time now. We just need to kind of kind of be conscious of what we're doing and improve what we're doing because yeah it's it's happening it is happening um, it's not and good. there's no way around it but let's say um you know if we did you know we did ruin everything like that there's actually a lot of ideas about but i'm going to say like so there's this idea of space stations in geostationary orbits where you could sort of simulate gravity by rotating you farm crops um, farm rabbits for you know do different things to kind of eat and have a little society. Um, there's sort of terraforming ideas, and then there's like just making a big spaceship. Um, but I've I've been and I use that used to appeal to me as an idea. But um, then I kind of thought that's going to be the ultimate kind of provinces, isn't it? That's going to be the ultimate <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing cool happening. <laughs> situation to live in. And also, like, the more you sort of, like, moved house, you're like, I mean, it's hard enough moving house. It's hard enough going to a foreign country to live. Like, I've done that, you know, moved to another country on my own and tried to sort of, like, for- start start fresh somewhere. And it's like, it's no fun. So imagine trying to do that in space. Um, let's, so let's, I think, like, it was like you were saying about that you wouldn't chop your hand off just because you know that science can create a new one for you it's still a headache like let's just try and like not have to deal with the headache in the first place even if it is possible if expensive to you know retroactively solve problems we've caused but i actually think like i i used to romanticize a bit of space colonization now i'm like i mean I've heard it secondhand from Shuttleworth. <laughs> sounded sounded nice, but it also sounded a bit smelly. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I was going to mention, because I, 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 I think when it comes to space travel, I am a bit of a Luddite or a bit, I can't imagine getting on any kind of flying device and being, bo- they're, they're sort of like, I, I almost <clears throat> want to, it makes me feel like I'm going to hyperventilate with panic, it's like in a claustrophobic, or well, what no. About, what about a space elevator? Well, I don't know. I we, I went, um, uh, I think it literally is a visceral uh, reaction. I went snorkeling one time. Uh, we were waiting for ferry in Croatia on one of the islands. And we just thought, oh, pop in for a little swim. It wasn't, a, it was a t- tiny port, but obviously it had to be deep enough to take a ferry. And I sort of got underwater and it was so deep that I just felt my lungs sort of go, because <gasps> <gasps> it was I like mean, my brain I'm... couldn't like, it was just too much for me. And the idea of going into space for me is exactly the same as going, this is an environment that I'm, I love swimming, but I, I wouldn't go diving, for example. It's just mm. not for me. If, if going to Mars happens to be the future uh, solution, um, I shall happily wish my child luck and wave her on her way. But I'll probably, uh. <laughs> I'll probably hang out down here, going, "No, you're right." Oh, they'll have to sedate me or something. They'll uh, be in the sort of like uh, Blade there. Runner city, kind of like <laughs> an empty, big, empty, decrepit house, uh, surrounded by the robots you've made for yourself. Listening to my podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, you talking about scuba diving just makes me think this is the it's just you you kind of the idea of a coral reef and swimming down and seeing like a coke bottle it's just so gross isn't it, it? Is like gross. humans being yeah. gross i think we should stop and then god you know i don't want i don't see i don't see landfills i don't see like oil you know the gross stuff the sort of collections what's yeah. the, are the fish are all like 90 percent of fish have got plastic in there i don't know yeah, like this all this stuff it's just gross and i i don't like gross stuff <laughs> so if gross. humanity could as a whole try and become less gross that would make me very happy yeah that's i think uh, i can agree with that i think it's uh i remember going on this um as part of the bike trip, we you you can't drive through Panama into Colombia. You have to get on a boat. And we got on this uh, fishing boat called the Stahlrater, which is a, a German oh, fishing boat. Brilliant thing, mm. brilliant outfit. But you go through these things called the San Blas Islands, and mm. they are sand islands, and they are covered in rubbish. And there's mm. no point picking it up. Like you, you find yourself. I mean, I do this. I go walking on the South Downs. I'll, I'll come home with a collection of those, like those uh, gel things that runners and runners take. Because yeah, it's like, just why are you here throwing this on the floor? Or the people <laughs> who decorate bushes with filled poo bags in it because they think <laughs> that like the dog poo fairy is going to come along at some point and take it away i mean i just anyway the um somebody else's problem the somebody else's don't... problem but you know in some like i'm just inevitably collecting these plastic bottles and rubbish but you've got nowhere to take it or put it uh it's just you know it's just awful it's horrible so in shoreditch when i was living there we didn't have like recycling bags i was like well, well come on <laughs> Like, yeah, but I can't, I can't do this if I've got to, like, 
walk for 10 minutes with three carrier bags of bottles like I, I'm, I'm not going to be no not going to be able to sustain that we need help it is very much a sort of like local government sort of responsibility and to kind of at least make those things low friction and easy to do and just the more stuff that we can make just easier it's you know yeah yeah totally yeah I mean you've got to give the path of the path of least resistance has to be to do the right thing yeah. with your with your rubbish that's just you know that's just a human nature if you're going to make it work it's not going to get done it's not going to happen exactly. um so that's where science and technology and engineering can be clever and coming up with solutions soon. that does make it the path of least resistance so yeah it's that kind of thing make it easy i just wish i knew more more things and that's you just reminded me of like yeah another anecdotal thing of like oh i've got my six pack kind of rings thing i'm just gonna break those open yeah, so yeah. that the <laughs> dolphins get them trapped on this it's like i i need more things that i can do because i will do them but i just don't know what the list is of things that i'm yes. supposed to, and there needs but, to be like a, a constant conversation of but, new things so, i suppose so i had on that I had a conversation this week on, on Tinternets uh, with a uh, friend of mine um, about, uh, she'd posted a thing about the plastic in the Adriatic Sea. Uh, she's Croatian and she also lives in Brighton. And she, uh, and I had, this time when I was on the Jadralinia ferry, which is a firm that goes in between the main, all the islands in, in uh, Croatia land, I'd noticed they'd all got those little plastic stirrers so that you can't buy a takeaway cup, but all the, the cup, they've just got loads and loads of those tiny little plastic s- uh, stirrers, which are like the, 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 if you've ever been to a beach cleanup uh, event they're a nightmare because you've got to really look for them but um so I was thinking so I sort of walked away with this sort of vague idea of writing to them uh and I talked to her and I said I said I was thinking right writing together and she said yeah that's all very well but really it's the manufacturers have a responsibility to make those right choices for us so you don't have to think about what am I supposed to do with that Mm. plastic thing around the cans once it's been proven that it's damaging to animals stop selling me your products with this thing mm. that is going to you know strangle a turtle it's not it's not cool and it is your responsibility it is and and that's 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 where you know why governments have to do do like impose these regulations because people are just trying to get by and they will find the way that helps them do the best for their family they'll do the, they'll do they're trying to they're just and that, I'm I'm sort of ima- I'm sort of romanticizing a little bit here. Like here's a Chinese factory with you know and they've kind of set up for making these things. I'm sure they'd be just as happy to get set up to make something yeah. that's a bit more. That there just needs to be that drive. There needs to be that control somewhere. There needs to be that sort of market demand. Like that that needs to be in place because like you know when you're talking about business people they're just looking for like looking for opportunities and looking for a way and just doing the only thing they know um and to kind of also then have to think about your environmental impact is just a sort of it's a different mindset isn't it and so the the only way donald is government (laughs) regulation i'm sorry (laughs) it is your responsibility um the you've now reminded me of what my point was from earlier that i completely forgot about and that is about the ozone layer the ozone layer is being fixed through you know identifying what gas it is that produced it and stopping people from using it. And Are we saying it's fixed? Is it? It's fixed? not. It's fixing. It's growing it's back. Fixing. The, 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 it's growing, the, back. The, well, the, it's growing back. There has been positive news about the ozone layer, but that's yes. taken 
Um, and I'll, I will make a point of finding some scientific article to back up my claim. But but that was a legislative, you know, that was an approach taken. Right, here's a thing that is causing problems. We need to legislate against it. And end of discussion. And mm. it's the same with, with uh, Theresa May announcing yesterday a 25-year plan for plastic reduction. So mm. 25 years. 25 years. It's just like, it's a placating statement. Mm. It's totally designed to, you know, stick a dummy in a baby's mouth and just kind of go, oh, there you go, while I'll make you something. It's just ridiculous. Um, but it, but I think that this is, it, it, this has come up in a couple of our chats and it's, it's possibly a theme, but it might just be a blog post or just a, a one-minute statement. But let's see. There's something about the... Creativity enhancements of design constraints. And I think that's one of the problems with the fabulously rich that we talked about last week, mm -hmm. the fabulously wealthy. Their design constraints are, they are, 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 there are none because mm. they can just buy another one or buy a bigger one or get more. And so without that kind of necessity being the mother of invention type statement, it's yeah. like it, unless we put a design constraint on these firms that say you cannot ship your products if they are going to be environmentally damaging, you cannot mm. ship willy-nilly massive number, amounts of plastic, you've got to look for alternatives. They won't. Mm. And if there's a chance that if you do put these, there is a strong possibility that if you start imposing design constraints via legislation and via consumer pressure, but that's that sometimes is difficult to to um, to to make loud enough. Um, they then they might well come up with some fabulous solutions. But, yeah. you know, unless science is actually looking and engineering is looking to produce the solutions to these problems, then they're definitely not going to do it. Mm. You know, so it's annoying because plastic's really clever. It's really been a really useful invention for humanity. Um, like you used to have to buy stuff in tins and like cheese wrapped in paper and like and it just it's What's just, wrong with tins? been a very good was a very good idea. It just it made is, it things, is. but yeah, but, but not, you, we you just know. need now need to be responsible, and we need to you know we need to kind of do better. But it's it's, well, it's it, annoying because it was it clever. We don't have to <laughs> ban plastic in its entirety, no, no, but no. just because we can make something out of plastic doesn't necessarily mean that that's the most appropriate thing to make mm. out of plastic. It's like disp I think dis all these little bits like disposable straws, spoons. These are the kind of things that actually micro beads in cosmetics. Those have been mm. banned. Don't know if you've maybe that doesn't I appear in your I've Facebooks heard, feed because no. you're not a lady. <laughs> I've the, I think I've heard the term, but like yeah, maybe once ago. But they're like uh, uh, Thankfully, I'm not like a. Uh, I don't use. Like, I'm not a cosmetics consumer, but you know, there's lots of these things that you use to clean your face that have these plastic micro beads in, which yeah, you know, the, the, you can't even bloody see them, let alone. Pick, pick them up off a beach <laughs> or, or, you know, filter them out of the the oceans. So, you know, mm. an outright ban. That's some positive news. That's happened. Yeah, that's good. My uh, speakers, my posh speakers that I'm looking at now. Yeah. First thing I bought that, like, instead of, like, a plastic innards, it actually had, like, cotton, like a cotton sheet wrapped oh, around yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but that's not... My... It's that level of poshness. That... <laughs> yeah, but my veggie box, you know those nets that your onions come in or your yeah. oranges? They've now got ones made out of cotton. Yeah. And they're actually quite nice. 
So, and is, uh, is cotton good? Is cotton okay? I don't know. It's not plastic. <laughs> I think it biodegrades is the point, you know. If you put, mm. I think you can put it on your compost. Oh, I put it on my compost heap, so I'll tell you in a while whether or not All right, sounds good. <laughs> let you know. I do experiments Experiment. with these things. My mum and I, don't. I, go, I buy things like, because um, my mum has an allotment, and so we, like, get all my compostables and we uh, mm. including things like supposedly compostable nappies we've done experiments <laughs> just to see if they did if it mm. did actually what happened uh, only one because you know there's limits um mm. but you know that kind of um so i'll let you know how we get on with the cotton mm. bags but you know at riverford who i'm happy to endorse they do <laughs> they actually put an effort into finding out what to replace their packaging with because even though a veggie box has a lot less packaging than when you go and buy your veggies in a supermarket, kind of by default. They still have to use it for, you know, strawberries and blueberries mm. and things like that. So, um, they and so yeah, but they're obviously looking at alternatives. And if your local authority doesn't take back plastic bags, they will. You can just put them in with your. Right. So it's that kind of stuff that just says we're more than just flogging you some vegetables. Yeah, and different countries. Yeah, like Germany had like a much more yeah. of a con uh, culture of returning glass bottles and things like that. And you know, well, but um, Croatia's brought this thing in now where you can return your plastic bottles, mm, so you actually okay. get it actually six pence per bottle. Mm. Um, so there is that has massively cleaned up the amount of plastic bottles discarded everywhere because people then actually collect them and and take them back. It's so. funny because like five p. Why do I care about 5p for a carrier bag? But, like, yeah, I do. So, you know, it is a, one of those nudges. So, yeah, 5p to get back your thing. It's just a, it's, it's sort of a meaning. It's such a small value, but it's for some reason psychologically, you know, just kind of changes your, you know, makes you kind of want to do the other thing. So, like, what what can we do? Are there who's who's lobbying? Who's are there charities that lobby the government or like who lobbies for these sorts of changes? How how could like is there? How can we? What can we do? <laughs> what can we do? I don't know. Uh, I think uh, as consumers, even though I said earlier that we don't have a lot of power, we do. Uh, if you don't buy stuff, or if you um, you don't, but it ha but it has to be all uh, of us. Yeah, and I don't want to be. I don't want to sort of do something. You know, like a sort of BBC TV thing. At the end, here are four things that you can do, and everything's going to be all right again because yeah. it's absolutely not like that. But I'm just literally thinking. Right. So it sounds like I, I feel like legislation. I think like feel like design restraint constraints, things like that. Like you know, nudge nudge psychology this kind of thing they're all going to work but how do i is there anything i can do to like make that happen i suppose you know well it's the same with anything you can you've got your choices of voting and spending money now you either vote with cash or vote with your vote i've always had a weird weird thing about in my head like voting for the green party or a com a party that is about 
the environment because it seems like that's one of several things and like defense education this that and the other it's like are they any good at the other stuff i don't know uh, and i'm not necessarily yeah. saying that i think anyone else is at you know as i get older i'm like yeah, i don't think anyone's very good at this at all just looking at like national debt and looking at the state of the education system and the nhs i don't think anyone's very good at this at all um but like if it sort of feels like to vote for a green party you're kind of sacrificing everything else somehow well, and am i crazy i i have a problem with so for example i've i um i've often asked myself why i'm a member of the Labour Party and not the Green Party. Like, should mm. I be, you know, should I be a member of the Green Party? Why am I a member of the Labour Party? And the fact of the matter is that I can't be... Uh, I, I think presenting on the level of a single issue is not something I can... It's the same as, you know, SNP. They're trying to distance themselves from the fact that they are a national... You know, they are fighting on a nationalist ticket or mm. uh, it's all that kind of like that single-issue type um, thing, politics, party, gathering, UKIP, yeah. Green, SM. It's terrible to p put them in the same bag. That's not... It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I don't like it. I couldn't join them. But, I, but I've got... Caroline Lucas is my MP and mm. I believe that we and I am delighted and I do I voted for her um, mm. uh, and they are um, but I think it's massively important that we have green MPs so that in a yeah. parliamentary debate they can represent these issues it's the same way that I don't know if you remember when a couple of BMP people got elected at one point I can't remember if they're MPs yeah. or councillors suddenly it highlighted to the country that you know racism is a bigger issue than everyone was thinking it wasn't as loud a smack in the face as post-Brexit but it, it does mm. sort of go oh 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 I didn't realise and so unless we've got we need more than one green MP that's for sure um but uh, but we also need the other parties to take these issues, the issues of survival, because that's really what it boils down yes, to. Yes, well, and I wish we had like a sort of threat level midnight type, you know, like <laughs> yeah, the clock, yeah, yeah, like yeah. here is, here's, we can see, yeah. this is how long you've got. And, yeah. and I wish that was, and that's another coming back to David McCandless and his charts. And I think those... There's there's some very good like this is how much longer we've got of this this is how much longer we've got of this. Well, also you know it's like the doomsday clock maybe need to needs to adjust away from you know nuclear annihilation and start looking at sort of uh, I don't know envi environmental degradation or something. Yeah. It's like you know we've we've survived the Cold War. Let's pretend the whole Donald Trump thing isn't happening. Uh, it's fire and fury tweets or whatever the hell it was. Um, well, imagine that's not happening, and then ask the doomsday clock to adjust itself to uh, environmental degradation as a little countdown. And is there any way <laughs> that looking at that clock isn't just going to bum me out whenever I see it? Like it's just, I, I wish there was also a. Here is your po little positivity ticker of what you've done today to make things a bit less shitty, and I'm going to use that swear i'm going to pay for that one um <laughs> well, how can i i want to see that i've made things not it's like not worse it's, it's like those do, happiness yeah. things isn't it it's like there's yeah. there's there's making it better there's making it not worse and then there's 
know, well, maybe we could turn that. maybe we could turn that donut economics uh, thing into a personal mm. um, measure. So it's like because because her um, her thing is all about companies can't be neutral impact anymore; they have to be mm. positive impact. Yeah. So so maybe it's time as individuals that we think about that. You know, you carry around a little thing in the same way that we measure so many things these days: how many yeah, steps yeah. you walked, how many times you got on a blah blah blah. Have a thing that says today your environmental mm. impact was plus ten. Take the day off. Well, maybe <laughs> have, that can have be a, a takeaway coffee tomorrow. <laughs> maybe that can be a, a grand podcast app. We can have like we'll get that we'll get that donut economics thing. We'll try and kind of get that. We'll make it look a bit nicer. We will yes. share that thing because it was it was quite an interesting, but sort of. Uh, like whenever you see it laid out it's always quite heartbreaking um like here's the situation but maybe we can have a thing that lets people sort of like keep track of uh yeah what they're doing and some, and some good and bad stuff that they've done that's my wheelhouse that's maybe something i can do <laughs> to help. well you know everything so it's all about the apps these days if we haven't got an app yeah. for it then uh, it's like it didn't happen <laughs> That's um, a bloody point. If I if if my pedometer wasn't working, then I, it's no point going for a walk. What our donation to charity is going to be out of this episode? Yeah, I don't know. Well, someone's I, going to have to to tell us. I mean, we could, I, I, yeah, we could count it. I think it's like if people are listening and, they, and they've got a charity, they can count and tell us some more. All right. So, thank you for listening to us again this week. Or you know, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, we 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 do want to do a sort of more scientifically informed and researched version of this, but we are talking about you know getting someone, someone who knows more about it to talk to. But anyway, yeah, you can find me on Twitter if you like the podcast at Michael Forrest, and my website is michaelforrestmusic.com. You can find me at Ivanka on Twitter and Ivanka blog um, yeah and you can find us both at grandpodcast.com and email us hello at grandpodcast.com you can support us on patreon with grandpodcast.com forward slash pledge or grandpodcast.com forward slash sledge I made Ivanka say it <laughs> um. <laughs> and please do write a review on iTunes Yes, find us on iTunes, write a review. Probably the same goes for uh, Stitcher. Thanks very much for listening. Um, And we'll uh, see you next week. Um, Bye. 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 Bye.